Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Liverpool and Real Madrid meet on Saturday in the men's Champions League final, and it's a really, really interesting matchup. My colleagues Ali Maxwell, Michael Cox, and Mark Carey discuss team selection dilemmas for the Liverpool defense, how Real Madrid's midfield will match up with pretty much everybody, and what, if anything, can be done to defend against Karim Benzema. Spoiler alert, it's not a lot. All of that, plus your guide to what games are worth watching on TV all weekend long in the United States. From The Athletic, I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for the weekend of Friday, May 27th. So it seems pretty clear that you guys are both focused on Vinicius Jr. against Trent Alexander-Arnold, and that matchup so to speak down that side of the pitch two of the best players in world football age 23 or under uh, mark you hinted at the fact that an interesting Klopp selection decision comes next to trent uh, in the right center back position why is that and, and who are the options yeah i think it's something we spoke about in this this podcast before in terms of uh ibrahim akanate being essentially chosen for most of the champions league games and matt playing other cup, um, although maybe not in the FA Cup actually, but but for league games being being certainly a, the man next to to Virgil Van Dijk. So whether or not Klopp will stick with Kanate on the right centre back, I'm not sure. I think this is why we've spoke about it before again. As I say, that there's they both have got their their strengths and weaknesses, if you want to call them that. I think Kanate's he's strong, he's powerful, he's quick, so that could really combat Vinicius Junior. But then Matip is so good in a 1v1 situation. He's really good at just shepherding any potential danger just away, probably more towards either the byline or to the touchline. But maybe isn't quite as fast. But then he's, he has really good strengths on the ball as well. He can play, he can carry the ball forward and he can play really cutting um, through balls and progressive passes. So I, I gen- genuinely don't know the answer. It would be too tight to call. Um but I think that there's yeah there's probably a case to be made for for Matip to actually come back um, in for this even though he hasn't been the the main choice at right centre back for for the Champions League. It's a big decision, isn't it? I, I think I'd be leaning towards Konate just from what we've spoken about uh, in terms of Vinicius and, and Trent and how that might look. Uh, but yeah, big decision. Of course, the other central defender for Liverpool is always Virgil Van Dijk, and and he's got Karim Benzema to handle. Uh, two of the best players in world football full stop let alone young players Michael you hinted at the fact that you know when you're talking about individual key matchups across the pitch striker versus centre-back doesn't quite work as well why do you think that well because if I'm Benzema I'm not playing up against Van Dijk um, for two reasons one because the other centre-back is is weaker albeit I like Kanate and I very much like Matip as well um, so I'd try and play up against him instead and second, because I think Benzema and Vinicius combine really well, not just kind of on the ball with combinations and one-twos, but, you know, if Benzema can drag that centre-back up and then that increases the space for Vinicius to run in behind, I think that's a very profitable 
uh, alleyway, if you like, for Real Madrid. So, um, yeah, Van Dijk's brilliant and no one ever dribbles past him. But part of that is because people have stopped trying. It's It's got to be a team effort for Liverpool when it comes to Benzema, doesn't it, Mark? Because his movement is so good and so intelligent. Yeah, and this is where I think that whether or not Fabinho will be able to start because he's a fitness doubt, I think that's going to be so key. Obviously, it looks like Thiago is also going to miss the final because he's a fitness doubt. So that midfield is going to be really key because the way that, that Benzema is so intelligent with dropping off, you know, dropping into pockets of space, I think that Liverpool are going to have to be make sure that they pass him on. You know, as, as Michael said, he's not going to stand on the the uh, the defensive line and just be up against Virgil van Dijk. If Virgil van Dijk plays as well, he's, he's not played the last couple of games because of injury. So we're saying this on the assumption that he definitely will start, which he like, he should. Um, so yeah, they're going to have to be really key with obviously communication and passing Benzema on and making sure that if it is Fabinho that, that he's covering because as Michael said, he might be also be pushing on to, to Casemiro as well. So it's just making sure that the, the team dynamic looks after the two most dangerous players, which is Vinicius Jr. and, and Karim Benzema. So Van Dijk missed the game against Wolves on, on final day and Michael, Liverpool looked incredibly vulnerable on the break. Wolves, having scored in transition after three minutes, had a good few other opportunities. Now, the, the, the state of the match, the state of the title race probably dictated that to a certain extent, but Van Dijk's absence was hard to ignore as well. What is it about him, or rather the absence of him, that makes them look so much more vulnerable, particularly in transition? Is it to do with his profile, his style of play, or about his organisation, his leadership skills? I think the organisation is a big factor because Liverpool squeeze the place so much. I mean, it's quite extreme how high their defensive line is. And I think you do need someone to, to basically organise that. And I actually wonder when, you know, going back a little bit, but just on the Konate uh, Matip thing, I wonder whether Van Dijk has a preference. I mean, you think he mm. must have a preference. Um, I don't know. I just wonder whether Klopp would consult Who him. do you think his preference would be, if you had to guess? I actually don't know. I wonder whether it would be Konate just because I think he's probably more recovery pace I, mm. I don't know I'd probably say that even though I think Matip is I just think he's brilliant on the ball Matip and I I would always from a neutral's perspective I'd always rather Matip play because I think he's just really fun to watch but I reckon Van Dijk probably just for this game would probably prefer Kanate. but I don't think it'd be unreasonable for Klopp to basically go and ask Van Dijk which, which do you want? <laughs> now the midfield battleground is going to be key here, as it always is in these sorts of games. And Michael, as long as everyone's fit, I think Real Madrid's picks itself, Kroos, Modric, Casemiro, they are and have been fairly imperious in big games for a long stretch now. What is it about those three and their blend that makes them so good in these types of matches? Well, I think they're all very comfortable on the ball. That probably goes without saying. But what I like about them, in particular Modric and Kroos, is they come very deep and go very wide to receive the ball and it just feels like they you never really see Real kind of struggling to play out from defence because they're so flexible with their positioning and they're happy to receive the ball anywhere particularly Tony Kroos almost plays like a I don't know defensive inside left kind of channel at times rather than in midfield um, and the good thing about Real this season is that they've been able to freshen things up when needed I mean in that game against Manchester City they ended up or Ancelotti ended up subbing the whole midfield three and they ended up with Valverde, who started on the right and dropped in. And then Camavinga, who has been absolutely brilliant as a substitute in the Champions League. And you have to think, we'll probably be starting these kind of games next year. Hmm. 
I don't think it's unreasonable he starts in this game, actually, I must say. I mean, considering how he, he's he's quick, he's more mobile than those three against a very energetic Liverpool side, he probably won't, but I think I'd be considering it if I was Angelossi. Um, but yeah, it probably will be the usual three. And they are, I mean, like I say, I'm not sure Real Madrid are going to have long spells of possession here, but if they do need to, they, they do have the three who can do that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And their movement's so good, Mark, particularly off the ball and and finding pockets in which to receive it, that, you know, it's pretty hard to get a a grip on. Uh, It's a big choice for Jurgen Klopp to, to... to decide who plays in his midfield three, another area of the pitch where if everyone's fit in particular, he has a few different options, a few different horses for different courses. Yeah, well, as you say, as you both say, that that Real Madrid midfield is just so experienced so they know what to do and when to do it. Yeah, with Liverpool, I think it is so conditional on on the injury and the fitness, you know, news, because I think if, if everyone were to be fit, I think it would, you know, no one would argue that it would be Fabinho sort of holding the defensive midfield role, Thiago on the left and, and Henderson on the right. But... If if Thiago look, like looks like he is going to to miss out, so that would maybe mean that Cater comes in um, on the left hand side, which he can do. But then if Fabinho is injured as as well or doesn't quite make it, then it will probably mean that Henderson will be the defensive midfielder, and then Cater might play on the the right. And then would you maybe bring in James Milner for for the industry and the the energy that he can maybe bring, even though he's he's not what's got happened as much- to what's happened to Oxlade. True. He's yeah. He's he's not even even got any minutes off the bench in in recent weeks. It just seems to have gone very quiet there. I don't think he's he's got any injury issues at all. It's it's quite a strange one. I think that well, Harvey Elliott and, and Curtis Jones came in for for the Southampton game. It was they were heavily rotated. Um, I don't think Harvey Elliott would be coming in here, but I think Curtis Jones might have a shout on the the left side. But I think it's that trade off between the the industry, the the workman like. Uh, attributes that, that Milner offers and maybe being a bit more attacking and taking the game to, to Real Madrid if it was Curtis Jones because he's you know he can go either side he's got a shot in him he can link up really well on that that left hand side of the midfield so I'd probably go for a bit of experience with with Milner if if all of those situations were to occur and Fabinho mm-hmm. were to miss out as well as Thiago but hopefully I think Fabinho will be fit enough to start and I think it'll be him with Henderson on the right and Cater on the left. And if we expect Liverpool to dominate possession and Real Madrid to be happy sitting deeper for, for large parts of this game, Thiago's potential injury, if he does miss, feels like, uh, if I'm honest, a huge blow for Liverpool. And very specifically uh, in terms of ball progression, chance creation, a blend of those two. We know that Liverpool's fullbacks create a large proportion of their chances and that is been pretty repeatable over the years but it feels like Thiago in the midfield three has brought something that the others albeit perfectly good passes uh, just can't offer don't have that invention that vision um, to execute a pass which can be crucial in, in matches like this against teams sitting deep 
Yeah, he's he's so good in in those sort of latter areas of the pitch. Obviously, going from the mid to the to the attacking third, he, he's got such an eye for a pass. As again, we've spoken about in recent weeks, but he's really key in the build up as well. He really enjoys picking it straight from the the either central defender um, and really just getting things ticking over with a lot of switches and just making sure that you're pulling the opposition from side to side. And obviously, his range of passing is so key. Whereas I don't think. You know, Milner, for example, has that quite as much to to dictate the game. So, I think it will be a massive loss if, as I say, it looks like he's not going to be able to play any part at all. Um, and I think what he does offer as well, which he didn't quite get up to speed with last season, is just how much industry he does have off the ball. I think he's. It's, I think Klopp said recently that he screamed at him like, "You taught me how to run," <laughs> because he he really is a lot stronger in his in his pressing and knowing the sort of the team dynamic and he's really attuned to the way that Liverpool play and it's just a shame that on the final day of the season for you know, in the Premier League he's he's picked up that injury. Michael, what can Liverpool learn from Real Madrid's knockout games? Uh, they haven't always looked to be playing that well, frankly, and they have very rarely been dominating their opposition, albeit very, very tough opposition as knockout football goes in PSG, Chelsea and Man City. They have managed to find a way to win each time. What will Liverpool have learned from that? I think the only thing really to learn is that they can change the momentum of the game quite dramatically in the second half, particularly with the use of subs. I think that's what Angelotti's done really well on a couple of occasions. Uh, Rodrigo in particular has made a big difference in two games, coming on down the right, scoring big goals. So, yeah, I mean, if Liverpool are seemingly in command of the game in the second half, maybe 2-0 up, something like that, there's every chance Real can just completely change the way that they play and have a good spell of dominance. But aside from that, if we're being honest, the lesson from the, the, the knockout games is, one, they're not a great side in Champions League winning terms. And two, Benzema can just turn a game in in really I know it's a bit of a cliche to use this word but at times he has been unstoppable I mean he's getting he gets the ball in positions the centre-backs aren't going to go into and then fires the ball into parts of the goal the goalkeeper's not going to stop to a certain extent you can't do anything about it so <laughs> yeah I, I mean I, I think Liverpool are really strong favourites um, but uh, yeah like I said earlier I've counted out Rao a lot and been uh, been made to look silly so Maybe I shouldn't again, and yet I still am. Thanks so much to Ali Maxwell, Mark Carey, and Michael Cox for that, which was a clip from the most recent episode of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. You can listen to the full show and subscribe to that show wherever you're listening to this show right now. Before we go, a TV guide for this weekend, and it's obviously much, much more than the Champions League final happening, though the European seasons are almost entirely dead, but not entirely. Uh, The games start on Friday at 7 p.m., Orlando Pride versus Washington Spirit. That's obviously not a European game. That's an NWSL game, but it's worth watching. It'll be on CBS Sports Network on Saturday morning. The League Two playoff final between Mansfield Town and Port Vale from Wembley will be on ESPN+. Plus. Those games are always really, really fun. I don't always mention, I guess, lower division games here on this show just to try to cull uh, the amount of possible games a little bit. But this one felt worth mentioning because... Those playoff finals are always really, really exciting, and it's a nice spotlight for clubs that don't often have it. At 3 p.m. that same day on Saturday, obviously, is the Champions League final. That'll be on Big CBS and Tudeyane, for those of you that are watching in the United States. And then later that night, 
pretty much every MLS team is playing. All but, I believe, four teams have games, so that's a lot of games to cover. I'm not going to name all of them, but three I would recommend watching at 7 p.m., New York Red Bulls versus DC United. That's a nice old-school, old-time MLS rivalry. They used to have a thing called the Atlantic Cup for the for the, uh, the winner of the season-long series between those two teams. I don't know if they still do. I just know that I haven't heard about it for years. If the Atlantic Cup is still a thing, please let me know so that you can brighten my weekend. At uh, 7.30 p.m., CF Montreal versus Cincinnati. Uh, Montreal doing surprisingly well this season, and they have Georgi Mihalovic to thank. He's an MVP candidate so far, and he is going to leave for the U.S. men's national team camp right after this game, I would assume. So this is your you know, pretty good chance to catch him against a very entertaining Cincinnati team that is at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN Plus nationwide. And then at 9.30 p.m., just kind of a fun potential matchup between Real Salt Lake and Houston Dynamo. Both are doing slightly better than expected so far this season. And it's uh, it's nice to see teams that are doing better than expected play each other, because you never quite know what can happen. The fun continues on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Huddersfield Town versus Nottingham Forest. This is the championship playoff final. Whoever wins this game will be in the Premier League next season. Big, big game. Always very fun, this one. At 11.30 a.m., that'll be on ESPN+. And then, of course, we have two MLS games, the four Teams that weren't involved yesterday are involved tonight on Sunday night, 6 p.m. LA Galaxy versus Austin FC. That'll be a fun one. Uh, that's on Tuesday NA and Unimas. And then at 9.30 p.m. Seattle Sounders hosting Charlotte. That'll be on Fox Sports 1. And then finally, last, certainly not least, at 9.10 p.m., the second leg of the Liga MX uh, final, Pachuca hosting Atlas. That'll be on Tuesday NA and Univision. If you want to know more about that matchup, you should listen to... Uh, Thursday's episode of the show with Felipe Cardenas, where we talk all about the matchup there, though I will say the first leg was on Thursday night, and I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon. So I don't know how that game went, but I feel pretty confident in saying that the second leg is going to be worth watching. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can subscribe for $1 a month for six months by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.